Welcome back to the Scott Ross Show. I am so grateful that you've taken time out of your week to listen to this podcast. And today we have a really great interview with Jack Bourne. Jack is an American who now lives in Australia and has been an entrepreneur for quite a while now, since 2001. Uh, He left his corporate career and has founded a couple of different ventures. Uh, Most recently, he's been engaged in uh, as the founder of DeadlineFunnel.com, creating a, a technology called Deadline Funnels, and he's going to talk about that. But you're going to get a lot of insight in this interview. He's going to talk about uh, lessons he's learned as an entrepreneur. He's going to talk about the disciplines and the tools that he applies as an entrepreneur. He's going to talk a lot about selling psychology as well as success psychology. So I just think there's a wealth of information here. He's going to reference lots of things that we'll have in the show notes for this episode. So make sure you check those show notes out. So without further ado, let's go to the Jack. So welcome, Jack Bourne, to the Scott Ross Show. I'm so excited to have you with us and uh, honored to be able to, you know, just pick your brain as somebody who's been a super successful entrepreneur, but also someone who is coaching um, entrepreneurs all over the world. Welcome to the show. Um, For the people not familiar with you, why don't you just give us a quick overview of your background and, you know, kind of what you've been doing? Yeah, I'll, I'll try to make it as brief as possible, but still hit all the important notes. So I'm the technical founder of a software system called Deadline Funnel. And the word technical founder means that I, I created the, the code behind version one of that. And uh, it took off, got traction. Um, and I invested in bringing on much more talented, uh, skilled and experienced uh, developers and coders who run circles around me in terms of their ability to write code. Um, but I do have the ability to, you know, I, I, I know how to code, even though I, you know, I, I don't do as much of it anymore. In fact, my team tries to keep me out of, out of the kitchen as much as possible, so to speak, um, which, is, which is fine with me. There's other aspects of the business that I really, really enjoy. Um, and so that's, that's a lot of fun. So. Um, deadline, deadline funnel, just for context, is a conversion tool that increases someone's sales. A lot of our clients are online course creators, but we're expanding into the e-commerce space. Um, so anyone who's selling something online, basically, you're, you're looking to maximize the number of sales that you're getting. So deadline funnel does that by giving a, a real legitimate yet automated deadline. Um, and so that was a need that I had uh, because I didn't want to put any sort of deadline in my marketing that was fake or phony, uh, but I also wanted it automated. So that was, that's like the short backstory of how that came to be. And I really built it for myself um, and then found out later that um, lots of other people had the same uh, pain and frustration that I did. And, and so over the years, it's improved and grown just like anything. Um, so, you know, I really look at it as, you know, yes, we, I have a software company, but I really look at it as I've got a user base of, of uh, creators and my job is to help them get, from, get their business from where they are now to where they want to be. And software is just one delivery mechanism for making that happen. So uh, I've left out several chapters of like where I came from and how I got here, but that's kind of the, that's, that's the short version of, of who Jack Bourne is. 
Got it. So I want to talk about a lot of things, Jack. I want to talk about your journey and then also a lot of the insights that you have for entrepreneurs who are, you know, trying to do something on their own. So let's just go back a little bit. I mean, I know that you were in corporate America. I think you started maybe your corporate career with Merrill Lynch, if I'm not mistaken. And you've done some other things in corporate America and you made this big transition to entrepreneurship. So talk about, you know, what, what was that? Like, what was the transition point? Was there a tipping point? What was it that, you know, caused you to kind of, uh, you know, leave the nurturing biosphere of corporate America? Um, well, <laughs> to, to answer that question, I would have to say that the, luckily for me, my last year was not a nurturing environment, which is why um, <laughs> I, I felt, I felt like I needed to break free of the prison, so to speak. Um, the, the warden was looking the other way and I decided to, uh, to make a run for it. So, um, you know, my, the, my last year in corporate America, um, has really stuck with me. Um, you know, I'm sure other people have much worse jobs, but I, as a, as someone who I feel like entrepreneurship was really woven into my DNA, but it took me a long time to finally make the jump. Um, the last year was a case of, you know, being in a bad relationship, you know, it was just not a match made in hell type of thing. And, um, you know, I, I made I made a list of a mental list of the twelve things that um, that I really despised. You know, uh, the corporate doublespeak, the ivory tower BS, the yes man type of mentality. And I told myself, when I start my own company and and I get some traction, these are the things where I'm just going to do the opposite, sort of the George Costanza, uh, you know, method of management of like I, I've seen what doesn't work, so I'm going to do the exact opposite. And, uh, you know, it's, I would say so far it's worked really, really well. I've, we, we, I have team members that I'm proud to say have been with me for six or more years. And, um, you know, that type of, I, I have to believe that there's something to it there. So, you know, um, it, it, it just really was the type of environment where I, where I felt like, um, my, you know, my gifts and talents were, were frowned upon, like I was put inside of a box and I, I just didn't enjoy it. And I had uh, kind of a, a, uh, a dramatic breakup with my boss where we both realized at the, at, at the same time, like this is, it's time to, it's time for me to pack my things and go. So, um, uh, so yeah, we had a, we had a very quick breakup and, and uh, I remember calling my wife on the phone and saying, uh, I just, I think I just quit my job. <laughs> um, so, you know, she's, she's very supportive and um, it helped not having kids at the time. Um, so we were we were a little bit more nimble in in terms of uh, having having fewer cash demands, um, but you know she was extremely supportive. She had left her job just a few months earlier, and so we both had leapt into the entrepreneurial uh, space, uh, really not knowing how we were going to make it work, but just believing in ourselves that we would figure it out somehow. Yeah, I think I've heard it. You describe it as you jumped off the building and built the plane on the way down, or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. I can't take credit for that picture, that, that, that metaphor, but yes, it's, it's like jumping out of the, out of the top, you know, 25th floor building and uh, having to build the airplane before you smack the concrete. Right. Now, you know, a lot of my listeners, they, they feel, and, and by the way, let me just say, I was a little tongue in cheek when I said nurturing biosphere. I think a lot of people feel very constricted and out of place in corporate America and just feel like maybe, you know, they have a calling that they're just not going right. to fulfill there. And that's not to put anyone down that's in corporate America, by the way, we have plenty of uh, people listening that are, you know, in that corporate sphere. But 
for the people who do feel like they should be doing something else, fear is gripping. Fear of the unknown is like the devil you know, right? They know it's behind door number one. What advice or counsel do you give people in that environment to, you know, help them make the leap that you made? So one of the most important things is to surround yourself with people that are supportive, but, um, but also can give you constructive criticism. So I remember the, in, in the weeks leading up to this breakup with my boss, um, I got on the call with uh, someone who had been a friend of mine for, for years and we kind of uh, kept in touch. His name was Mike. And um, I, I told him my idea, like, hey, I'm thinking about starting this uh, web design business. So I'm going back many decades now. And Mike's instant response was, oh my gosh, web design business. Like he gave me a list of six reasons why it was the worst idea in the world. Like he really um, rained on my parade. I'm trying to keep this PG, but there's other terms that I could use. So he rained on my parade. <laughs> and, um, and after he got done raining on my parade, there was this awkward preg- pregnant pause. And then he said, I guess that sounded pretty negative, didn't it? And I said, yeah, Mike, it did. And that was, that was the last time I ever talked to, talked to Mike. Like it was just, just kind of ended that relationship. In contrast, I had another friend named Scott and Scott hired me. Um, he was my first, uh, first client and hired me to do his corporate website. And it was a very ugly website, but you know, he's, you know, it was the type of thing where, um, you know, he, he was providing the, the support that he could, like he believed in me, um, not necessarily because, you know, for any reason other than, you know, he just, he just believed in me. So, you know, having, having friends like, like Scott, um, and, uh, an incredible wife and, and people to, um, to, to support you and believe in you, you know, it's sometimes it's important to surround yourself with people that believe in you, even if that one specific idea that you have is not, you know, is not the idea that they believe in. So sometimes you need someone who can say, look, you're bigger than this idea. Like I believe in you, but this specific idea, you know, there, there's a, there's a way that you can use your traits, your skills, your abilities in another way. Um, I think it's also important to understand that as entrepreneurs, especially when you're first starting out, um, you have to be comfortable with the idea that you're going to end up in a different place than you think that you are. And, and really, you know, when I look back to, you know, and, and my journey's not over, but for the, the journey so far has really been like the half the value has been in the journey itself, you know, how I've grown and how I've improved you know, but I'm not, I'm not doing web design anymore. Um, you know, I, I could have kept growing that and I'm, and I'm sure that that could have worked out great, but where you start, it's not necessarily where you end up. You're sort of exploring this dark, uh, dark mansion with a f- flashlight that's kind of weak on batteries. And you're exploring one corner of the room at a time, not knowing how many rooms there are or how many levels there are. And so you're trying to find your way through this house and you just have to uh, have faith in your ability as you go and, uh, and explore. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, I tell people all the time, uh, you don't want to be a millionaire to be a millionaire. You want to become a millionaire because you would become the kind of person that created so much value. People volunteered to give you a million dollars, you know, that growth process and like the journey being the, the destination, like you were just saying. So, you know, I want to talk about deadline and, and, and deadlines, a big part of what you do. You have a product that's built around it, but it just occurred to me as you were telling your story that really you created a deadline in what you did, right? You, you quit your job my guess is you didn't have infinite amounts of money. So there's instantly a deadline to go create a next stream of income. I mean, just talk about that idea, the power of having a deadline and how that can motivate us. And then also, you know, when it comes to sales psychology, how we can utilize the power of deadline and, in, in, you know, driving revenue. 
you know, I, I gave I gave a talk at an event called uh, called Sam, and it was in Nevada, and it was, this was this was probably over a decade ago now. But I remember the I remember the the talk was really about how to really shorten your 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 runway. So the idea is, for there's there's a there's a concept called Parkinson's law. So basically, our work expands to fill whatever sort of um, you know, room that we give ourselves. So if we give ourselves six months to be able to get something off the ground, it's going to take us, you know, six months. Um, if we give ourselves six days, that's how long it's going to take. And so by really constricting the, the deadline, the, the time frame, even artificially, it really helps you get focused in on what are the key things because all these extraneous things like, okay, well, first thing I need is I need business cards. Well, look, in some businesses, maybe that is absolutely what you need, but there's a lot of businesses where, no, you don't really actually need a business card to get a client. You know, for example, if I were just starting out um, to do copywriting, so I'm going to write email copy, you know, do I really actually need business cards and have those, like have them designed and go through the process of getting the perfect logo and getting everything all typed, you know, typed up. Do I need to go through all of that in order for me to feel like, okay, now I, I'm, I'm worthy enough to go and try to uh, pitch Scott Ross on redoing his email copy? You know, no, I, it's, it's really just getting on the phone with you and saying, look, let's talk about your email copy. And I want to talk about how I'm going to, um, deliver additional value. So when you compress the time frame that you have, uh, it really forces you to focus in on the things that are really going to move the needle for you. Um, another, another thing that just from my story that was really, that, that really informed my understanding of how important the deadline was, was that I did, I did like, I've made every mistake in the book. And one of the mistakes that I made was that um, I, um, so I, I, I chose a project that really is sort of a, a two-sided marketplace. So that was my first, um, uh, first thing. So basically it was an eBay for healthcare providers where the, uh, the agency and the nurses would, would, would meet together. And so I had to build up both sides of this. And so I was doing it for free. And after about a year of doing this and also doing odd jobs on the side to be able to keep money coming in, um, eventually my, my very loving wife came and said, so babe, I love you. I believe in you, but it's time to find out if this project actually has been a, an interesting hobby or if we can actually make money out of it. And I said, you know what? You're right. It's time. So before there was a concept of a product launch, before this was really even a thing, I said, okay, what I'm going to do is I'm going to charge X amount of dollars. I'm going to send out some emails and then give people a deadline. And if people don't sign up, I'm pulling the plug. Like I'm just going to turn it off. And so I sent out the emails and maybe one or two sales came in, but I'm thinking, oh my God, I totally wasted an entire year of my life. And then um, I started to turn off people's access as the deadline hit. And within the next 48 hours, uh, about $26,000 of money flooded into my bank account in the form of orders. Because um, what I didn't realize was that my clients were actually the uh, the worker bees in the agencies and they didn't have the credit card. And so they, they ran out, got the corporate credit card and told their bosses, look, we really need this service. But it wasn't until the, the actual, like the actual deadline was imposed that they actually realized, holy cow, like I actually need, I can't put off this decision any longer. I need access to this. So um, that was my first experience in, in the online realm of the power of a deadline to really force people to make a choice. You're either in or you're out.
Well, so I love it. Let's just talk about two of those the things you just said. I mean, number one, the whole Parkinson's law thing. I mean, would you advise people to kind of in their mind, at least create these artificial deadlines for the projects that they're working on or the endeavors that they're pursuing as a way to, um, you know, get much more done in a limited amount of time? Yeah, well, okay, so I use this all the time when I'm preparing for a, a webinar presentation, let's say. So um, this may not, let me just take a quick tangent. So when I'm, when I'm trying to get a presentation done, what I do, what I used to do was I used to try to like make slide one as beautiful as possible, then slide two as beautiful as possible, and on and on and on. Well, that's a really slow way to do it. So one of the things that I've become, it, it's, I'm a perfectionist by nature, but that's really just kind of a way for fear to manifest and bubble up. And so the way that I put things together now is that I give myself um, permission to do like the B plus level job, but it's 100% complete. So that if, if we're going to do a presentation on Friday and you called up on Wednesday and said, hey, guess what? We, we've got to do it on Wednesday now. Like so that last 48 hours, I'm sorry, I, we just need to do it now. I've got at least a B plus presentation that from beginning to end functions, like it has all the key components. Okay. Um, but it, it just is missing that polish. And then I go back and I give it a polish. So another edit. So this may sound really, um, really kindergarten level basic, but I, I, for me, at least this, this was a huge light bulb moment that, you know, forcing myself into this artificial deadline of look, you have until Friday, but force yourself to get it done this afternoon version one this afternoon, just go through boom, 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 like create it as quickly as possible. And that doesn't mean put out shoddy work. It means get the first draft done uh, artificially fast. And then it gives you the, it, you, you have this sense of relief of, okay, that's done. I have a functioning presentation, even though it's not my best work. Now let's go make it my best work. And so for some people that may seem super basic, but for me, that was, uh, that's a huge light bulb moment. But um, if you're to think back to the, the show, The Apprentice, um, one of the things that's kind of fascinating about, about that show and what I picked up on pretty quickly was that these challenges that they would do, they would say, okay, I can't remember a specific challenge, but they, you know, it'd be something like, okay, you've got to build this business and generate, uh, create, the, create this advertising campaign in an afternoon. And, the, and you can see the, the, the shock like echo through their, the, the people's cranium as they're trying to make sense of like, how am I supposed to cram a week's worth of work into one afternoon? But you have to because you're going to be, you're going to, you're going to the boardroom and someone's getting fired. Right. And so it forces, what happens is the team, you know, comes together like, okay, we have this constraint, this time box constraint. So obviously, like normally we would do this, normally we would do that, but we don't have time for that. Like we just got to focus in on what are the key things to actually get this thing done. And boom, 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 like all of a sudden the extra stuff just gets jettisoned. So yeah, I do think that forcing yourself into these artificially short constraints um, is a really powerful forcing mechanism. What you need to become comfortable with is that the first like when you, whether it's imposed from the outside or whether you're imposing it on yourself, the first thing that happens is that your mind says, wait a second, this, this just isn't possible. It's not possible. So then the next question that you need to ask yourself would be, okay, but if it were possible, how would I do it? And if you ask that and you actually give yourself the space for your subconscious to answer that question, then you, you become very, very resourceful. And it's like, okay, well, if I, if I, gave up a little bit of my perfectionism, but I still was able to get the job done. Here's what it would look like. And so it's a very, very powerful forcing mechanism that I've found. Now, I want to go back to like the way that I left corporate America. 
um, you know, there are some schools of thought that say, look, you should burn the boats, you know, on the shore and say, look, I'm, I'm leaving my job. I'm leaving the comfort of the nest and I'm going to, I'm going to, it's do or die. Like I need that pressure in order to make it happen. There are other people who say, you know, you should keep your job um, and work on it on the side because you, you certainly don't want to burn your bridges, so to speak. So I, I think that it really depends on your situation. You know, my situation was that I was in my 20s. I didn't have any kids and uh, I had a supportive wife and I, and I knew what my expenses were and I, I, I had odd jobs that I was willing to do on the side, right? And so if you're, you know, if, if you're willing to, you know, if you're in that type of situation, I think there's really nothing wrong, especially if you are absolutely miserable in your current job there's nothing wrong with saying, look, this is just not a good fit. And worst case scenario, I'll go find, I'll go get another crappy job because the one that I have right now isn't any good. So I'll go find another one that isn't any good. If that's the worst case scenario, I'm willing to deal with that. So, I, so for me and my situation, that was really good. Now, if you're in a job that um, pays, you know, it's a six figure job, you've got a family and you've got uh, you know, mortgage and all sorts of, you know, you've, you've got some high expenses, um, and your job is is not killing your soul day by day, then I would say, you know, build, build your lifeboat on the side, you know, you're the type of person who would feel more fulfilled by having your own thing. But you're, it's not like you're in a low paying soul crushing job. Um, so I would, I would say in that type of situation, it makes sense to build your lifeboat on the side. And then when you feel like it's, it's ready, then jump in the lifeboat, because, you know, I think it would be irresponsible to tell everyone, okay, the way to do this is to just quit your job and then just run as quickly as possible. Because um, look, entrepreneurship, you know, some, sometimes you don't know how long it's going to take for you to actually um, have a success. Um, you know, the other thing also depends on like what business you're going into. I went into something that was, it was kind of tangentially related to what I was leaving. Um, so if you're, if you're going to jump into something that's completely different, so for example, if you are, you know, you work in a doctor's office and you're going to create, an, like your idea is to create a, an iPhone app for real estate, hey, you might be sitting on the next billion dollar idea, but let's, let's also be honest, you're jumping into something that is very, very different than what you do for, on the day to day. The less overlap there is between what you're jumping into versus what you do now, the more risk there is because there's just a whole lot more unknowns, things that you're going to discover as you jump into the marketplace. And you need to give yourself time to be able to uncover those unknown unknowns. I want to take a moment and thank our sponsor, Bluehost. If you want to do anything entrepreneurial, you need a website. And the best place to host your website is Bluehost. Bluehost supports more than 2 million websites worldwide. Their bandwidth is unmetered, so you never have to worry about performance. And the biggest reason to go with Bluehost is their support. I use them because they have 24-7 support based in the United States, and they are amazing at solving any issue you will encounter. Bluehost has anytime money-back guarantee that allows customers to cancel whenever they want without penalty. Right now, Bluehost is offering my listeners free domain name for one year. That's worth at least 10 bucks. Free SSL certificate. That's worth at least 65 bucks. And one click WordPress installation for just $3.95 a month. That is less than a dollar a week to get yourself or your business on the web. Go to scottrossonline.com slash bluehost to take advantage of this offer. That's scottrossonline.com slash bluehost. Get online and take yourself to the next level.
let's talk about deadline from a different perspective. Talk about it from a sales psychology perspective. What's the power of deadline there? And how could, you know, the average entrepreneur kind of start thinking about how to bring the power of deadline into whatever they're doing, their unique selling proposition, whether it be online or offline or whatever? So there's a, there's a lot that we could talk about there. So I'm trying to, I'm, I'm going to try to focus this down on the, on the big rocks. So um, one of the most important things to understand, and I, and I talk about this, and even in my webinar presentations, is that a deadline by itself is not going to resurrect a dead offer or a product that um, really doesn't have, a, you know, have an audience. Like if it doesn't really solve a burning problem that, that, that people have, then, um, or there's some other issue with the, the product itself, a deadline isn't going to fix all of your issues. A, a deadline is really an accelerator. So if you've got a car traveling down the road at 50 miles an hour, this is the jet fuel that takes it from 50 to 100. But if you've got a car that's sitting on blocks with no wheels and no engine on the inside, then it's, it's not going to fix it. When you're, when you're looking at things that really move the needle for sales and conversion, whether it's online or face-to-face, it's really the offer. So people a lot of times confuse, okay, well, my offer is my product. Well, no, it's not. The offer is a whole bunch of other things that are related to your product, but are not your product. So for example, things like um, the way that you offer your pricing. So you might have one price that you're offering to everyone, but what if you had a trial price? What if you had a $7 trial, a free trial, or $50 trial? What if you had a payment plan? Um, there's lots of different ways to present that. So just by offering a payment plan can completely change the number of people that take up your, your, your offer. Then there's guarantees. There's also, uh, there's bonuses or all sorts of different components that go into the actual offer. And you can take the same product and mix and match it with different offers, different bonuses, different guarantees, and come up with wildly different offers that have different uh, conversion rates, different sales rates, and also have different impacts on your bottom line. So why do I bring this up? Well, because a deadline is a really important part of your offer. So if I say to you, look, there's a special offer because you just joined my list, I'm giving you these two extra bonuses that are gonna help you achieve the results you wanna achieve uh, twice as fast. And I'm giving you a little bit of a discount because I wanna reward fast action takers. But this special deal, just like any special deal, doesn't last forever, so you have 48 hours to take advantage of it. If you have any questions, hit up, you know, contact my team. We'll answer your questions, but the deadline is in 48 hours. Well, now I've given you a special deal that's better than you would normally get, and there's a deadline. First and foremost, a deadline forces all of those people who are paying attention but not taking action to actually make a decision. And when you force people to make a decision, if they're leaning in the direction of doing this, especially if you've got a really good guarantee, a lot of times they will finally make the decision to say while they're paying attention because they're not gonna give you their attention for an infinite amount of time. While they're in, in your marketing funnel, while they're paying attention to your messaging, you, you get them to make a decision now. But it, it also does something else uh, interesting, which is that it will, depending on how you communicate it, it will actually increase the perceived value of what it is. So what I mean by this can be explained best by a study that was done, uh, I forget what university, but let's say it was Duke, I believe it was Duke University. So imagine a 101 auditorium with hundreds of students in it, and you divide the room into left, left and right. So on the left-hand side, you give everyone a mug that's got a beautiful Duke University emblem on it. You just say, everyone on this side of the room gets a mug. Everyone on the other side of the room, you don't get a mug. Now, here's the thing. We're going to hand out a piece of paper to everyone. 
the people and the question is for the people on the who have the mug how much would you be willing to uh, how much would someone have to pay you in order to give up the mug and then the other side of the room who doesn't have the mug how much would you be willing to pay to buy the mug what it turns out is that same mug costs like the perceived value is twice as much for the people who have it in their hands and you're asking them hey how much would someone have to pay you for you to give up the mug because they have it and it's this idea of, of i don't want to give up this thing that i have so how does this come into marketing well especially with your online marketing if you can start to use language in your online marketing that talks about hey scott you've got this opportunity in your hands right now the special deal is yours you have the opportunity to change your life and to improve your business uh, with this with this program that i put together for you with the special offer the discount and the extra generous guarantee it's in your hands but if you wait another five hours you're not going to be able to have this. You're, you can still buy the, the, the training, but it's going to cost you more. You're not going to get the guarantee. You're not going to get these bonuses. So it's in your hands. The opportunity's here now. Don't let it slip away. Well, the, well, the way that I've just languaged that on the spot uh, really paints this picture that you have something right now. And if you wait, it's going to be taken away from you. And what happens is that people psychologically don't want to let go of something that they already have. And so it's not just having a deadline. It's also how you communicate it that is really, really powerful. Mm, really interesting. So uh, when, did you, when did you stumble across this whole deadline uh, concept? You said you developed your software because it was a need you have. Um, what was it that even sparked the idea that it was something you need? And, and um, you know, tell me about that, that part of your, your entrepreneurial journey. So for many, many years, I've been a student of marketing and persuasion and just trying to understand how you know, how people make decisions. Um, because if you understand how people make decisions and it's not based on logic and ration, you know, rationality, then you can, you can really, um, get more people to take action. Now, one of the, so one of the people that I was an early influence on me was Robert Cialdini, the author of the book influence. And one of his principles that he talks about is the, the, the concept of scarcity. So, um, and I had seen product launches and I'd, if we go back to a little bit earlier, I told my story about the deadline with this first project that I was creating and how it seemed like not, no one was buying until the, the deadline actually happened. So, um, so I had this, so I had seen with live uh, promotions and Black Friday events and uh, things of that nature that a deadline definitely drives sales. I started to notice a pattern that on the last day, that's typically when you get the, the maximum number of sales. So um, take Black Friday, for instance, when you first announce the, the, the special deal, there's a bunch of people that rush in and buy, but then the, in, there's an even, even bigger sales uh, surge on the last day when you announce the deadline, the, the time's ticking down. So I thought, well, how, like, this is a principle of persuasion. Um, you know, I was, I was a, a big believer in uh, automated marketing and email marketing lead generation. So I was thinking, okay, well, how can, how can we use this in a way that isn't lying to people? So in other words, you go, you know, like you enter my email sequence on a Monday and the thing ends on a Friday, but it legitimately is over for you on a Friday. Someone else joins on a Tuesday for them. It's over on a Saturday. How can I set this up so that when my email system is telling you, hey, Scott, tonight's the last night to grab this special deal. How can we do this in a way that is fully automated so you don't have to babysit it, but, and it's also increasing your conversions, but it absolutely is 100% honest and accurate. 
And so I just assumed that someone, surely someone had created this. And so I went looking for it and I saw lots of little plugins for WordPress and countdown timer scripts and little bits of code that you could add to your website, but none of them went anywhere close to like the 12 different things that I wanted it to be able to do. Like, you know, none of it really didn't do any of them. So I, I decided, okay, I'd already created one software platform. And so I thought, well, I wasn't looking for something new to create, but I'll create this for myself because even if no one else buys it, I definitely want to buy it. Um, and then I started to uh, make it possible for other people to, to, you know, to, to sign up. I started sharing it with some colleagues and peers and word started getting out. And that's, that's how Dublin Funnel was born. Amazing. Now, uh, what are maybe some of the other biggest lessons or takeaways from your journey? You've been doing this entrepreneurship thing since like 2001. Um, uh, you know, you've had some a lot of success, but you've also had some failure. What are some things that you could share with our listeners that could maybe short or give them a little shortcut past some of the common mistakes that you've seen entrepreneurs make? Well, so, so one of the mistakes that I made um, for a long time, which really held me back, was, uh, was uh, really a reluctance to, to invest in myself in the, in the, in the form of either um, education opportunities or networking events or really tools. Like for the longest time, I would, I would really try to avoid spending money on you know, what I consider to be expensive uh, platforms. And sometimes, you know, it's, it's funny because I sometimes we'll get that type of thing coming into our help desk, like, oh, I can't afford, you know, X, Y, and Z. And I'm thinking, you know, deadline funnel. And I'm thinking if you're using it and you're making sales, it's not an expense. I mean, we have people who, uh, you know, if you look at the testimonials on our site, some of the numbers that people are reporting are just out of this world um, in terms of the, the sales that they're generating from this. And so the, the small monthly or annual fee is like, is an investment. So just bringing it back to my journey, um, it took me a long time to really wrap my head around, look, yes, it technically is an expense on your credit card, but it's actually an investment in your business. Um, and it's going to save you time. It's going to make you money. And so for me particularly, that was something that held me back. Um, you know, uh, another thing that held me back was really um, trying to do everything myself. Now, First of all, when I started, they didn't, you know, there were, I don't want to sound like the guy who was, who talks about, like, I went, went to, went to school in the snow, uphill both ways, that type of thing, like back in my day type of stuff. But truly back in my day, there wasn't um, Elance or Fiverr or freelancer.com. Like now it's a lot easier for you to instantly get access to some incredibly talented people all over the world, whether it's editing video or creating video. Um, I used to work for a guy named Perry Marshall and I was talking to him just the other day and he actually went on, it's not called Elance anymore, Upwork. And he hired, uh, I think half a dozen genetic scientists to study the, the COVID virus. So he literally spun up a genetics lab um, you know, of outsourced genetic scientists. So whatever, whatever it is that you want, it's a lot easier these days and a lot more acceptable. Everyone understands, oh, I don't have to become an expert necessarily in copywriting. Or if I'm really great at copywriting, but I'm horrible at design, I'll just go find a designer. Like if you're willing to spend the money, there are so many people out there that are available to help you. So that pl those platforms really didn't exist to the extent that they do today. You know, I think everyone listening probably knows this a lot better than I did back then. But 
it's your team that's really going to make you successful. So your job as an entrepreneur is not necessarily to be doing the thing that you, this idea, you may have to be doing these a lot more than you want to or should be doing early on uh, because it's a cash flow issue, but you should be reinvesting whatever profits that you get into your business and where you should really invest it first is in attracting super talented people. Um, even if you only get a portion of their day or a portion of their week, bring these people onto your team and start to leverage up your business and things will slowly begin to improve. It's sort of like a, I love this idea of the flywheel concept, but this concept of, of, of a flywheel is really, really, impo really important. I think you need to understand your flywheel. Basically a flywheel is if there's five or six components of what makes your business run and improving any point on that wheel will make the wheel spin better faster then you know that's that's your flywheel um, and so it's not 26 different things it's like five or six key fundamental things that anything that you improve makes the whole thing better and you know one of one of the th one of the things that i think is a is a key flywheel internally for anyone's business is attracting talent and being able to afford uh, that talent because if you if you bring the right people on your team at the right time and you give them the right leadership then they're going to help bring in extra revenue well that extra revenue can bring in additional talented people or pay to get more time from the people that are already on your team uh, or to give them bonuses to help them stay on longer so you have less turnover so all of these so and then that drives additional sales like if you guys are I mean, we're leaving out a lot of details, but the concept is as you start to attract talent, develop talent, retain talent, um, and you're working on yourself as a, as a leader and as a manager and someone who can spot and find talent and know what your business needs at the right time, then you're bringing people onto your team who are going to help push that flywheel a little bit faster and a little bit faster. And what happens is, is that in the beginning, the improvements that you see are minuscule, but they're there. And then it, it, it's like exponential growth. The faster it spins, the faster it spins. And it just starts to go faster and faster and faster. And before you know it, you look back and you think, wow, we've, we're really growing really, really rapidly. But that growth is hard to, hard to see when, it, when it's first started. Yeah, that's Jim Collins who wrote that book, uh, Turning the Flywheel, and he wrote Good to Great as well. We'll link uh, we'll link to that book in the show notes. So, a couple last questions: uh, Do you have any uh, disciplines or tools that you use just as personal development tools or disciplines, or just you know uh, as an entrepreneur that you feel are are very valuable to you? So, I, what I'm about to suggest, um, I don't do on a daily basis, but I know that it would be helpful. But it's it's been something that I have used for extended periods of time on a daily basis, and these are moments in my business that I can point back to and say, okay, that's where I got mentally unstuck, and the business moved forward in a big way, and that is uh, journaling. And so I've got I've got lots and lots of. Um, some of these are, are back in the States, uh, but lots and lots of, of, uh, of journals, you know, where what, you know, I, I look at it as, you know, as a coder, I look at it as debugging my own software. 
And mm. so when I get my ideas out on paper and, and it just starts with early in the morning, just writing, just starting to write, like not knowing where it's going to go. And some, some mornings, like, you know, exactly what you want to talk about. And so you write or write in your journal and you just start cranking away. Other, other mornings are like, what, like, I don't have anything to say. So just start there. I don't have anything to say today. So I'm just writing, you know, writing on this piece of paper. And then what you're going to find is that just the art, just the practice of getting that hand moving all of a sudden is going to unlock some things. Sometimes I would, I would start off by saying, I don't have anything to write today, but if I was going to write, I guess I would write about dot, dot, dot. And then some ideas come up and I write about that. So getting those ideas out of your head really helps me think through uh, a lot of the, the stuff, the sort of the, the code that's running in the background in my head. And there are some things where you know, points in my life where I was really stuck. And by looking at, uh, looking at that, and analyzing, um, just, just getting it, getting the information down and, and not editing, you know, not like this is just for me. So this is not something like I'm ever going to show the world. And so in the same way, I would, I would highly recommend that the whole point of doing this is for you not to filter. Like you, you can write down, you can be as negative as you want to be. Just write it all down because getting it out of your head sometimes will will really help you see the forest for the trees. Um, and so that's a really, really powerful process. And I know other people have talked about that as well. So I know I'm, I know I'm not alone in this. Um, I don't do it every single day, but particularly in, in times of my life where I felt like, okay, I feel like I'm repeating the same pattern over and over. So to, to bring it back to, I think you alluded to that some of your audiences feeling like they've got the man's boot on the back of their neck and they, you know, they, they have this creative side inside of them. They want to one day break free and to start their own thing. They want to be able to express themselves um, through an entrepreneurial passion. So start there, start to start to write down like, like what, what am I afraid of? Like, like I'm, I'm worried that if I quit my job and I, I start my own business, that the following is going to happen and just be negative, like paint, paint out the picture. Like don't hold back. I'm worried that I'm going to go bankrupt and the, the collectors are going to call and just write it all down and then take a break, come back and take a look at it and say, okay, is this likely? Is this really likely that this would happen? Maybe the answer is yes. Maybe the answer is no. You know, if this happened, would I be able to deal with it? Like sometimes just facing your fears on paper is the step that you need to realize, okay, look, it's not that bad. So sometimes when you look at what's actually holding you back, you go, look, if, if that's the thing that's holding me back between taking a shot at my dreams, is that really that bad? And if that happens, what, what would I do? How would I react to that situation? Would I be able to survive it? Would I be able to recover? If the answer is, yeah, you know, maybe it's time that you actually go for it. Do it. I love it. I love the idea of journaling. I have a talk I do called the power of reflection. And you know, the summary is people say experience is the best teacher. Experience is a terrible teacher. There's people with 70, 80 years of experience. They've learned nothing. <laughs> so, you know, the idea right. is that reflected upon experience is a great teacher. And I think journaling is a great way to reflect, like you're saying, on where you're at, what you're learning, what's happening in your heart and your life um, and where you can go from there. Yeah. Yeah, I totally agree. Jack, one last question. I ask everybody who comes on the show, um, if you only could recommend a single book that everyone should read, what would it be? Okay, I can only say one. So I would do Business Brilliant by Lewis Schiff. 
Business Brilliant by Lewis Schiff. Okay, we'll link to that in the show notes. Super valuable. Well, Jack, it's been really fascinating getting to know you. You're an amazing guy. And, um, you know, thank you for all the value you're adding into the world and the way you're you're helping so many people with the products you're creating. Um, and I'm really excited about, you know, your life in Australia. It sounds like you're having a good time down there. How could people connect with you further and, uh, you know, follow you, connect with your products, et cetera? Yeah, I would, I would say to visit, I don't have a big social, uh, you know, social media presence. Um, I, most of my interaction with social media is uh, through advertising I put out into the world and content. Um, but um, you could, I am on Facebook, but you could, um, I, I would say anyone who, who wants to check out what we're doing with, uh, with Deadline Funnel, I would recommend getting on my list because a lot of times I'll send out um, you know, business related or motivational stuff that doesn't necessarily have to do with deadlines at all. Um, and we also, um, as I mentioned to you before we started the call, there are other courses and, and like, like my, I look at it as my job is helping, helping you, the entrepreneur become the best marketer and business owner that you can be. Now I don't have, you know, there, there's certainly topics that we don't cover, but we don't just talk about deadline based stuff. So for example, we recently taught, um, our clients, how to become better email marketers. And we had a, a training course dedicated to that. So I would recommend um, checking out uh, Deadline Funnel. So go to deadlinefunnel.com, um, join our list, um, consider starting a free trial. Um, I think that you'll find that our software improves your sales very, very quickly. Um, but even if you just want to be exposed to the emails that I'm sending out, um, uh, because maybe something I said resonated with you, then go over there join the list and, uh, you'll be getting emails from us. Great. Deadlinefunnel.com. We'll link to that in the show notes as well. Well, Jack, listen, thank you so much. It's been a real honor having you on the show and I wish you the best. Stay safe during this, uh, coronavirus time. You bet. You too. Wow. We had an absolutely packed episode right there. Tons of takeaways from Jack today. Here's a few of the main things that stood out to me. I mean, number one, invest in yourself. You have to invest in you. You're going to have to spend some money to get where you want to get. And, you know, some people, they think, you know, do I have the money to invest? Is it too expensive? Man, that conference seems like a lot of money. I mean, I'll just tell you a little story from my life. I mean, when I was newlywed and right out of the military and I just moved to Dallas and I was trying to make my way in the world and I got a job in selling and uh, it was a straight commission job and the people around me were highly paid and I knew that if I could figure out the skill of selling, I would be highly paid as well. And there's this guy who was coming to town who was one of the top sales trainers in the world at the time and his seminar was $1,200 and $1,200 might as well have been a million dollars to me for real might as well have been a million dollars and I didn't have it and I, I literally went to my grandpa who didn't have a lot of money by the way and who I never asked anything of and I asked to borrow a portion of that $1,200 um, because I really needed it and I went to that seminar and it changed my life. And here's what's crazy. At the seminar, he teaches all these techniques. And it's cool to have learned the techniques one time, but I knew I needed to master them. And he was selling a tape set that'll show you how long ago this was. He was selling a tape set at the back of the room. And the tape set was $400. And I wanted those tapes. I needed those tapes. And um, I was like super embarrassed. I called my grandpa a second time and borrowed some money to get those tapes. That's the thing that's gonna completely set you apart in the long run. 
So go to the conferences, go get the books, pay for the mentors, keep investing in the most important asset you have, which is you, because it will pay you back. Number two thing he talked about is delegation. I mean, you can't do everything yourself. I mean, this is a lesson that Moses had to learn the hard way. If you know anything about, you know, what happened there in, in Exodus, but you don't have the skills or the knowledge to do everything and you don't want to do everything. I mean, entrepreneurs burn out. And one of the big problems is, you know, there's this thing called the founder's dilemma. And it has to do with the fact that people who start businesses ended up not being very good at running them because they don't know how to do this part. So get good at it now while it's easy. John Maxwell said, if someone can do what you're doing 80% as well as you are doing it, you shouldn't be doing it. Let me say it again. If you can find someone who can do what you're doing 80% as well as you're doing it, it, then you shouldn't be doing it. So find people to elevate, elevate the people in your business, elevate the people in your network, elevate the people that know you, love you, and want to support you and help them get involved in the process. Delegate wherever you can. And then I just love that concept of the flywheel that Jack talked about. Um, you need to dig into the essential pillars of your operation and improve those. And don't worry about all those external things. And um, last but not least, of course, he got into to journaling. And I love one of the things he said. He says, it's like debugging my own software, which I thought was very cool. So taking the time to write every day. I mean, I do that. I journal every, every day, every morning and evening at a minimum. And even if it's just your stream of consciousness, it's just super important. I want to thank you so much for listening. I hope you got as much value out of this talk as I did. And you can learn more about Jack and his work at scottrossonline.com, as well as check out some things that I'm working on over there. You can also watch the video from this conversation on my YouTube channel, which will be linked in the show notes. So we'll see you here next Wednesday with a new episode. Until then, God bless.